today I have recovered enough from back surgery to make it over to my desk and start a whole new round of Coffee Shop Conversations episodes via Skype and other methods. I hope to be sitting in the Artichoke Cafe in another month. I said hope to. I know that today our guest is Bobby Smith, X-Ray Radio DJ, and he'll make some news about that. He's an archivist for the Albina Music Trust, who, along with World Arts Foundation, will be presenting a series of concerts and discussions and spoken word events all over town this summer. They're calling it Summer of Sound. It's a celebration of Portland's black music, past and present. We'll find out all about that and all about Bobby's fine work. Meet Bobby Smith. Bobby Smith. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me on today. We've never met. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, and this is the only way I can do it right now since I have this, I have uh, had this back surgery, but that's okay. One day we will. Because, uh, we, well, the funny thing is there's not a lot of people who have radio shows like, like we do, who play, the, who play that kind of music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, well, we we li- we do live in the fertile crescent of uh, community radio, so even right. if it's right. not like your show or mine, there's there's a, quite a variety around town, which is really we're we're very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yours is on uh, X-ray, and mine's on KMHD. Yeah, that's true. And in fact, I um, this may be the first place I will announce this um, mm-hmm. that I am actually after eight years uh, retiring my show on X-ray. Wow! I got I got to episode number three hundred and fifty <laughs> uh, a couple months back, and um, you know, just I, I've been so invested in a lot of the, this project work we have going. I, I took a little leave of absence, and am now realizing I, you know, it's just it's hard to have the capacity for everything at once. So I'm I'm going to bow out and let some let the youngsters jump jump in there. Well, that's going to be that's going to make a lot of people unhappy. Well, well thanks. I appreciate your your affection. I also, you know, the good news is the work that was started in that station um, will continue on. You know, through of course through other DJs at X-ray, but you know the work that I've I've put in there um, will continue on in, in other capacities too. So well, great. Listen, before we get to before we get any further, let's get to the uh, um, the reason why this this we're talking to each other. At this moment, I was I, I was always going to get you on the show, but I don't know why I, I never did. But anyway, but uh, I want to, we got to talk about summer sound before we go any yeah. further in, into our in, into our mutual backgrounds and love for the music. Um, what is summer of sound? You know, this is uh, an event series um, presented by the Albany Music Trust uh, program and. Uh, a production of World Arts Foundation, which is a, for those uh, out there that do not know, is a black-led uh, 501c3 that's been in existence here in the state of Oregon since 1976. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, back in the early 1980s, World Arts Foundation uh, put together a program called Time Sound in connection with uh, the late Thera Memory, um, mm-hmm. who arranged and directed um, a, a large ensemble called the Creative Jazz Orchestra, yep. which were, were musicians throughout the community, some from the symphony, some from big band, uh, others from Mount Hood Community College. And the idea was to uh, get local musicians together and expose the greater community to uh, music of the African-American diaspora 
um, and and beyond. So there were compositions in there, or rearranged, you know, from Tchaikovsky to uh, you know Mingus. I mean, I think it was mm-hmm. it's pretty vast, and and then gospel music and and um, original compositions as well. So in connection with our founders at World Arts, uh, Ken Berry, Michael Grice, uh, they brought in youth to connect with the heritage of this music. So mm-hmm. mass choirs were directed by Ken Berry, uh, and this, this mass choir youth sound, as it was called, mm-hmm. um, would perform throughout the 1980s um, everywhere from uh, you know the Civic Auditorium, um, what I believe is now the Keller, Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, local high schools and um, just, you know, big rooms, Portland State University, Smith Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and this program was was funded by uh, Metropolitan Arts Commission, which is now Regional Arts and Culture Council, mm-hmm. as well as the Oregon Jazz Society, now the Jazz Society of Oregon. So <laughs> we had an opportunity to sort of like represent this material. We, we were kind of looking at like, all right, we're coming out of COVID, um, so to speak. We've been, you know, intentionally very um, light in terms of our ask with working with elders. How could we, you know, take the pressure off of, you know, exposing um, folks to the virus and, you know, maybe uh, engage, you know, the younger musician community that's already out there gigging a lot and that's local and that's playing jazz uh, really well. So we look to Thera Memories American Music Program which World Arts had um, a hand in launching and supporting for many years. And a number of uh, youth musicians who came out of that program are now our band directors for this new version of Time Sound 40 years later. So Mm -hmm. Summer of Sound is sort of representative of this um, program that we will present first um, at the Cathedral Park Jazz Festival, Mm -hmm. uh, closing out the festival July 17th. Um, and, and again, uh, presented by the city of Portland for their summer free for all series at Washington Park on August 6th. Um, our band directors are Charlie Brown and Damo Branch, and they mm-hmm. both went through Thera's American Music Program. Uh, the members of the group, our core rhythm section is Charlie's band, Greater Kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have horns. We will be presenting, uh, Vocalists Lo Steele, LaRonda Steele, uh, Arietta Ward, and Tahira Memory. And we've got some, you know, some tricks up our sleeves in terms of uh, which elders in our, our cast of musicians that we work with <laughs> from the community that will also be a part of that program. So that's the concert piece <laughs> and uh-huh. the long version. Uh-huh. The satellite programs that are incorporated into Summer of Sound are. One is called Soul Conversation, and it's uh, an oral, a live oral history panel that will happen at the Alberta House, uh, which is on uh, 23rd in Alberta. It's a beautiful space. It used to be called Saramon House. It was a Baptist church, and they've really just activated this um, this uh, building into an art center of its own. Mm-hmm. It has sort of a salon kind of vibe. There are paintings of Vanport inside. Lovely uh, building put together by um, artistic director uh, Vin Chambry and um, the Vanport Mosaic Project, Lara Loforti. We um, are putting this event together with elders Paul Knowles, senior, a.k.a. the mayor of Albina, Ken Berry, J.W. Friday, uh, Norman Sylvester, Jenny Beasley, um, 
I think I got everyone. And they will be speaking on the legacy of the Albina uh, community that evening. We will also, um, that event will conclude with a live set from Charlie Brown and his uh, trio. So that's uh, July 14th at um, Alberta House. And our last, or one of our other events is what's called Wall to Wall Soul. And it is a the opening for um, a permanent art installation in Clyde's Prime Rib. We nice. um, have long, you know, partnered with Clyde's. It's, you know, truly one of the last vestiges for elder albino musicians uh, to be seen and to be heard. Uh, every weekend, Ron Steen has been le- leading a jam there every Sunday night for roughly 15 years. Um, and a lot of the musicians that are playing on the records that we um, have released, you know, play there every weekend. Mm-hmm. So we partnered with Clyde's to curate a selection of archival um, poster art, photography, and newsprint throughout the building. So at the current beginning to frame a lot of this material, uh, which will be presented in the venue's lounge, as well as in a, like a special private dining space. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's representative of the community. You'll see the faces of folks like, um, you know, Shirley Nanette or Linda Hornbuckle, uh, you know, the groups like Slickophonic or the legendary Beyonds mm-hmm. uh, will just be throughout the venue and, and beyond. You know, we, we have photography of, uh, you know, diverse uh, backgrounds as well, such as folks like Jim Pepper or some of the Latin bands in the 70s like Ela and, mm-hmm. um, and you know, Obo Adi's groups as well as Upepo. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a, a range of material that represents jazz in a greater sense. So that event is, it's an art opening. It's an opportunity for people to sort of engage with the legacy of uh, Albina music, as well as um, it's an album release for two uh, LPs that we have coming out. One by the group Lights Out, which was a 1980 era uh, fusion band turned uh, funk band Mm -hmm. that featured uh, Grammy nominated Andy Stokes. Ooh. It featured um, Greg Dalton, a.k.a. G-Mac, who went on to play with everyone from Brandy to En Vogue to Kamasi Washington and Tupac. Uh, he is just an incredible session musician in Los Angeles. Um, Tony Collins and Dennis Springer from Pleasure are in the group. So that's one of the LPs we're releasing. Mm-hmm. And the other is a 1979 session uh, recorded by Marvin Rindy Ross. Um, uh-huh. at their home studio of the band Transport, featuring uh, Jimmy and Jimmy Sanders as well as uh, Towner Gallagher uh, on drums. The fusion record. Um, anyhow, so we'll have records for sale. We'll be out. We're, we're doing stuff this summer. We're not sitting at home. That's great. But it sounds like you're making up for lost time. <laughs> I guess so. It feels that way. Um. So, um, explain to the to people exactly what the Albina Music Trust is, in case they don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think of it as a pres- preservation initiative. Um, you know, to me, the, the distinction between, uh, you know, what uh, is representative of a record label versus a music trust is that, you know, we're coming from the perspective 
of preserving the legacy of uh, a musical community that really didn't have representation in its time. Uh, as far as uh, commercially recorded music goes, they're just really, um, as Nick Geffro, drummer Nick Geffro describes it, Portland was a, just a dog-eared town <laughs> in the <laughs> 60s, 70s. It was like this like oasis for some and for others, you know, the, if you wanted to be a musician and and make it, so to speak, you needed to go somewhere else. Yes. Um, and the thing that's really glorious about like the 1970s, early 1980s, um, is that there was just like this whole scene of folks that uh, decided they were going to just do it their own way and, and played music seven nights a week and were employed and have a, had a livable wage. Um, this is before, you know, um, like the um, before a lot of things, but namely I'm thinking of like DJs taking away the work of live musicians, mm -hmm. electronics of the 1980s, you know, drum machine, mm -hmm. guy with a drum machine versus a nine piece band yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, OLCC cracking down on um, drunk driving laws, which mm -hmm. happened uh, around the time of the um, turn of the decade there, seventies going to the eighties. So there were a number of factors, um, and, and VCR, you can't forget about, you know, once right. that came out, people could stay home. Yep. So it's like there's a lot of factors in the late 70s, early 80s. People are just going out and um, seeing live music, and that was just such a destination, whether it was during dinner time or, you know, the show or the after hours. Music is just kind of everywhere in Portland. And so we, uh, at X-Ray FM, you know, I was opening up the booth each week for musicians uh, from back in the day to come through. And we quickly learned that there's just like all this music in town that um, was never released in its time. And, and bands, they would write original music and they would record it, mm -hmm. but we just don't really hear much of it because a lot of those recordings were just, they were used to get a gig and then shelved or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it was someone's pipe dream to, to have a record, but then it, no, nobody was around to fund it and so this stuff has just sat um and it it felt um you know if, if we were going to like open up that pandora's box we might as well just go as far deep as we could um so sure. that kind of started as an oral history project through um, the radio program i had at x-ray fm as well as um you know a preservation project related to all the media that began to come through the booth. So mm -hmm. before I knew it, people were like, well, hey, if you really want to hear this, we got, you know, put it on the radio. Let me bring down this reel. Oh, but we don't have a machine to play it. Okay, let's go get a machine. <laughs> <laughs> and then before, before long, I mean, this is like 2014, 15, uh, we began learning how to utilize this equipment and how to service it and, you know, sitting with some of the en local engineers that were using this, uh, technology in its time mm -hmm. and learning to, you know, with those engineers goes the knowledge of this trade. And so I think a lot of what I've been trying to do as best I can is, you know, touch in with some of these folks who, uh, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. We may not have, you know, someone who understands how to operate, uh, you know, a 16 millimeter transfer station. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow in Portland that's accessible. So, you know, we've got just a really ripe, uh, as ripe as we have, a, a, you know, the, the musician community as, as well, 
much of a, a wealth we have there, we also have that in the uh, engineering community here in town. So we've learned a lot of different formats and uh, have cataloged that material um, around last this time last year, I was hired um, by World Arts Foundation as the archivist, um, work mm-hmm. that I'd been somewhat doing, uh, you know, as uh, a volunteer for years, keeping methodically organized Google Drive folders and hard drives. <laughs> but mm-hmm. now it, it, we, we really built capacity. We've got a lot of great uh, funders and have been avidly you know, whether it's uh, we have a development direction now, and um, I'm really proud of the team at World Arts Foundation for you know, supporting this preservation initiative. It's been going with, you know, the organization since its inception in the 70s, the idea being to preserve uh, African-American contributions to the arts um, and education. And so by extension, you know, this this work that I've had the opportunity to do in the musician community is, uh, you know, is, is brought to greater heights through mm-hmm. the um, the collective work of, of the organization. And so now, you know, that it's more official. Um, a lot, we have been building capacity with um, hiring a team. So I, I'm, I lead a team of five at the moment. We have, wow. um, three archival assistants and uh, a data systems technician that mm-hmm. uh, work in our office. We're located at the Black United Fund building on mm-hmm. Alberta Street. And that's where our archive is housed, you know, reel-to-reel tape, photography, negatives, collections. We have, you know, in the same way back in the X-ray days when folks would come through the booth to go on radio, we have folks coming through, um, you know, signing the accession and deaccession forms, bringing in, uh, everything from VHS tapes to business card collections, <laughs> and we're we're digitizing what we can, um, and we'll be uh, soon on the World Arts Foundation uh, website. We will have a digital special collections uh, for folks to be able to access a lot of this material. So it's exciting for us because it, it you know it goes beyond the music. It it kind of um, speaks to the legacy of the neighborhood and. You know, it, it will be good for folks as we're really as a society kind of coming to terms with, mm-hmm. um, you know, just understanding the legacy of um, or, or rather the plight of, uh, you know, black culture in our society. We can touch in on how that uh, that um, experience in Portland has impacted so many and, and where it has begun systemically, you know, starting with um, civic disinvestment in neighborhoods and redlining all the way to, you know, p- police brutality and, and gentrification and really the erasure of a community that was thriving in Albina right. um, in the, the mid to late 20th century. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our archive really depicts a, a lot of that, um, that sense of, of, thriving and joy and, and the community that did exist. And, um, you know, when we have elders sitting in the booth, a lot of times folks are really just celebrating their, you know, this, this time in life. And, and I, anytime I get the opportunity to play some music for someone uh, that hasn't heard it in, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, mm-hmm. it is truly a gift. You just see 
and light up and the way that music activates memory um, is just so special. I I really uh, admire that. When I f- I'm from Baltimore originally, and uh, I moved here in '97, and when I started working at Oregon Artbeat at OPB uh, in 2000, it, there was almost no coverage of of that period of time of any of the music. And I remember I did a piece uh, walking around walking around Northeast with with James Benton. And really? I would he, love to hear that. And he, him, and him pointing out to me, well, this club was here, and this club was over here, and this club was over there, and and, uh, yeah. and of course there was nothing left of them. But um, you know, and n- n- nobody was doing that, and I couldn't believe it because I, 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 I and I had no clue really. Uh, that was yeah. that was that was one of my first uh, lessons, great lessons. In the in the in in the legacy of music here in Portland, and then you know once I once I learned, and who do we have? In, uh, Cleve Cleve Williams was part of that story, and yeah, all those and guys. Bobby Bradford. Bobby you Bradford. Know, I think who, I've who, seen this video. <laughs> I think I did. You say it was in '97. It was on OPB. It was in 2000. 2000. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We. So I I uh, we have been archiving uh, James's. Um, VHS collection, and I believe that was on huh. one of the tapes. Probably, <laughs> so probably. I, you I know, every time, every time, every time I saw him for the rest of his life, every single time uh-huh. I saw him after that, he always thanked me for that. It was uh-huh. so, it was, it was so sweet, you know, because he was, you know, was sweet baby James, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that's yeah. sweet baby James. Yeah, um, yeah, tremendous and uh, musician. I'm so glad he was able to be. Um, featured in the Jazz Town piece right before his passing. Well, and and it was in a part of a part of a working band. Yeah, with, the, the with, with um, Louis Payne. Oh, yep, that group as well. And then what did he call it? The old cats? Or yeah, the, the, um, the original cats. The original cats. The original that's cats. What it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the guy, legacy. the guy yeah. who owned um, the Blue Monk was also. Very, very. Who was responsible for preserving a lot of that stuff too? He's the one who introduced me to to, to James Benton. Hmm. What was his name? I, the only reason, like, I can't remember. Can never remember his name. All I know is he was a Boston Red Sox fan. He used to give me a lot of shit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You're from Baltimore, so yeah, that's what you get. That's what I get. I didn't didn't deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Now I got now I got to rewatch that piece because I I um. I'm in you know, that you piece. You, 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 yeah, so I'm going to have to make that connection. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably uh, primitive, not 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 in production, but in 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 my knowledge of of the of of the of, of, of music in Portland. That's that was the launching pad for me, really. Although I had I had spent a few years uh, at the Oregonian um, writing about music in Portland, but. Um, yeah, no. I mean, got to got to start something somewhere. Well, yeah, rather, yeah, um, yeah. that's. I mean, that's a great place to start. You're going right to the source. Yes. Um, yes. To someone like like James Benton, I you know I could speak you know to my own you know origin story with uh, you know getting involved in this work. I had been writing for a magazine called Wax Poetics, and mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to do a Portland-based story, and so I thought, hmm, what Portland bands do I know? And next thing I knew, I was sitting with uh, John Smith and Valerie Day of New Shoes. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was great, you know, and I, 
as we kind of peel back the layers of the onion, you know, talking about their influences with soul and funk music, at one point I just remember John turning to me and saying, you know, if you're really trying to get to the heart of like this kind of music in Portland, like we're not the people to talk to. You you need to talk to. And then he started rattling off some names. Fast forward about a week or so, I'm sitting in the booth with Calvin Walker. Calvin um, Walker. And, See, I, that, he, he was I, an amazing resource for me. Same. And yeah. I mean, I thought I was going in for like a, a 30 minute sit, sit down and Calvin? About no. Four hours, four, <laughs> yeah, four hours later, we walked yeah. out of there and he had just given me the whole oral history of the Northeast portland musical <laughs> legacy uh and and really i i kind of identify that moment as the beginning of the albina music trust because he you know i'm taking copious notes and the whole time he's like okay we got to call this person we got to get this person down here and we and then and he kind of ran with it and so calvin and i have been working in tandem like that ever since um and we're just so fortunate you know now that it's the project has grown. We have more and more musicians who are kind of taking ownership and, and it's that, that collaborative aspect um, sure. that I really value. And, sure. and, you know, when you ask like, you know, what is, what is this trust? What does that mean to me? It's, it's really the, the heart of the work is in that collaboration mm-hmm. um, and less of, you know, my spin on the production or me, me writing liner notes of what I think about it or something yeah, yeah. I first met Calvin when when uh, I was at KMHD when it was at Mount Hood. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Development and, right, and that there. was a that was about I don't know thirteen years ago or so. Uh, God, I've been on that long. I guess I have. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was I just you could just you, you didn't have to say anything. You just sit there and let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous, you know. <laughs> well, you know who uh, is now back in the community radio business is Calvin Walker has joined the board of X-Ray FM. Oh, good. Yeah, good. good. So yeah. that that's part of part of something we we left behind there. <laughs> Excellent. But that's oh, great. I did yeah. also speak to the deepening uh, relationship that we have uh, going forward with X-Ray, which is exciting um, as we've really tried to double down with doing oral history work and um, just gathering folks together. Um, X-Ray has, has really invested in donating equipment uh, like microphones and, and film cameras for uh, documentation. It, it's really, it's in the production of a weekly show, as you, as you well know, that it's like mm-hmm. so time consuming. So yeah. at this rate, running a team of, of five and, and, you know, thinking on all the to do is, it was sort of like, all right, X-ray, let's let's have you know, let's formalize this um, uh-huh. in a different way. Uh huh. That's great. Do you, do you think you'll miss it? You know, I already do. I mean, there's there are some uh, Fridays that roll around, and I you know I get the itch, and I'm like, oh yeah, I could be playing some records right now, or I could be sitting yeah. in the booth with yeah. you know one of these um, folks that I love, but. It's not like that every for other Fridays. I'm like, I am, I'm wiped. I just worked 60 hours this week. And <laughs> I, I am, I am ready to like take a pillow. So, you know, you can't predict that until it, it happens. So, yeah, of course, um, while I've still got, well, while I've, I've got Oregon music news, of course, uh, which is still going, which seems to have a life of its own. Um, no, yeah. matter, no matter what I do or don't do. 
but uh, so that's that's still happening, of course. But um, to tell you the truth, during the whole pandemic, it was the radio show that kept me going. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I mean, I'm glad yeah. to hear it because you you all are programming from home with KMHD. Is that correct? Yep. Well, yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, that 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 it's. Uh, I I believe that's going to change somewhat, but yes, the answer is yes. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I could say the same. Like Friday evening would roll around. And we could actually, they rigged it up through x-ray where we could go live from home. Oh, that's so nice. So I have like a little turntable set up and a <laughs> condenser mic here. And so I just plug into the app and I'd be like hanging around with a, you know, a cup of tea and my uh, toe socks on, <laughs> just playing some music. And it was amazing. My cat's hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, I'm a radio station rat and I just, I miss being there in the studio live with a whole whole shitload of, of 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 vinyl and CDs and being able to change my mind at the last minute and throw something else in and then coming out and opening the mic and and not knowing what I'm going to say. I mean I do miss that, but on the other hand my transitions are fabulous. <laughs> right. I know. Well, and that's the that's like when you start thinking on the level of a podcast, that's production. But community radio, that's like that's the thrill. That's like yeah. that's where the unexpected happens and um i i know exactly what you're saying yeah well well listen i don't want to keep you anymore and i'm not sure when these people are gonna i'm i'm amazed because up until i up until i pushed send to 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 call you on this um they were still the 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 workers outside were still putting a new roof on my building with a compressor and hammering nails and smashing things and and then, for some reason, miraculously, as soon as we started this, they stopped. Oh, the clouds <laughs> parted. And... <laughs> well, well listen, I'm glad to hear it, and I hope you get some sleep. You know. Well, <laughs> well they do stop before dark. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I'll see you out at, out at uh, um, Cathedral Park, because I'm, I'm, I'm uh, emceeing for the Tony Coleman thing on Friday night. Um, oh, cool. Which is nice. This is nice. You ever had Tony Coleman on? On the radio? I haven't. Um, oh, my God. I am. A, yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I get I get a, a layer deep, and then there's always a layer deeper to go. Tony is, is uh, he has opinions, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> He's but great. That's exciting. You get to present um, as well. So, well, awesome. It, it, I'll, you know, we'll be there throughout the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I miss uh, broadcasting from there because KMHD used to, used to, used to do that live. I got the, I, I'm in, I interviewed Charlie Musselwhite one time, and it was really cool, mm. you know. But uh, yeah, um, that that's gonna be that's gonna be nice, and it's just best. It's a great, great setting. It's just a, it's a beautiful place to have a, a, a have music, you know. Yeah, this will. So this Char- year is gonna be be great. I got to have Charlie Brown back on the podcast. I had him on a couple of years ago, and and uh, I was shocked. I shouldn't be, but I asked him who his his biggest influence was on the piano, and guess who he guess who he said? Who's that? Oscar Peterson. <laughs> oh wow! I know. Going way back. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking I you mean, know it's going to be somebody you know um, contemporary, and no Oscar. You know, Peterson, which you know is, Charlie's deep. He's deep. Yeah, very deep. Very that's deep. What, anyway, that's what happens when you start playing piano at a young age, and you've got theorem memory 
breathing over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I just speaking of Thera, I just played "You Are Everything" for, uh, uh, on my show last week. You know, oh, you know, nice. You know that he, his, there's 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 two versions of that on that album, a long version and a short yeah, version. Are you, yeah. Yeah. Are you talking uh, Chronicle? Yeah, Chronicle. Might be that one. Yeah. 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 Uh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we could just talk shop here all day, but I know you got stuff to do. I appreciate you appreciate appreciate the time. And one of these days we'll meet each other. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Just say the word, Tom. I appreciate um you reaching out. Thanks for your time today. And like we always do at the end of these things, when we say that's entertainment. <laughs> 